Blog Talk Radio. This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the Solink front of the house. And coming to you from the Atlantic Tower Studios of FRM Solutions and the beautiful Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia, this is Franchise Today. And I'm Stan Friedman. Today is Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. And just ahead, I'll be joined by J.D. Bush, a guy who wears several hats in the franchising world as CEO and overall market disruptor of Bush Global LLC. By the way, CEO, as J.D. describes it, is chief energy officer. J.D.'s businesses and, and the span of his businesses cross multiple brands, multiple cities and states, and we'll even talk about that and more in just a few minutes. But first, I must give thanks again to last week's guest, Mike Isaacson. You know, each week, my guests give of their time and wisdom with the hopes that we'll all grab a nugget or two from what they've shared with us and run faster, further, and farther as a result. Well, last week's interview, though, has set a new high watermark for audience impact. And this both with regular listeners and as well as guests. In fact, I heard from more than a couple of past guests as well that were deeply moved by Mike Isaacson's transparency, his story, his insights, and especially his passion for alignment between franchisors and franchisees. In fact, in one case, a former guest and CEO told me that their entire field ops team was going to listen to Mike's interview as part of their continuing education. Wow. I mean, that's powerful. If if you've not downloaded last week's episode with Mike Isaacson, it's not too late to do so, along with hundreds more easily found at iTunes, Block Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, in any place where podcast libraries are found. And remember, too, you can always listen to the latest episode of Franchise Today by simply saying, Alexa, play the Franchise Today podcast. And there you go. It's as simple as that. Now for the Solink front of the house. <clears throat> Pardon me. That was a bit of a Solink pre-part of pre-Solink front of the house case of sinusitis here in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Vaughn, with the Solink front of the house, the, the franchising future, 10 reasons why millennials can make perfect franchisees. You know, there are people like Jennifer Cashell, Dr. John Hayes, Ben Latalian, Dave McKinnon, all of whom have cracked the code on understanding that millennials have a certain element that should interest everyone in the franchise world. Well, this week, Fiona Simpson, who is a Forbes contributor, writes telling us that Pew Research defining millennials as those born between 1981 and 1996, it's fair to say, are sometimes receiving um, a little bit of press that's, you know, not really flattering. They're often referred to as the me generation or the Peter Pan generation, and they're perceived sometimes as being just a little bit too narcissistic, work-shy, self-absorbed, and all of these views obviously shared by their older counterparts. Well, all of that said, Statistics from the world of business, and in particular franchising, are telling a completely different story. There's a generally held view 
that more millennials are starting businesses earlier than their baby boomer predecessors. While metrics to confirm or deny this seem scarce, Fiona did come across the 2016 BNP Paribas Global Entrepreneur Report. And it reported that millennials were starting businesses at a younger age than the previous generations. Baby boomers were reported to have launched their first business ventures, average age 35 years old, with millennials, though, starting their first business ventures at around age 27. What we can certainly imply from this is that the millennial generation is more eager to launch their own enterprise and possibly more willing to take risks when doing so. Another poll the British Franchise Association participated in with NatWest Franchise Report, which was last year dated 2018, and reporting that more under-30s are entering the UK franchise industry as franchise business owners than ever before, with 18% of all franchisees now under 30 years of age. This is a significant leap from the reported figure of 3% just a few short years ago in 2015. The clear conclusion from this is that any franchisor ignoring millennials as the future of franchising is doing so at its own peril. I'm going to post all of this information along with the top 10 reasons that Fiona Simpson stated in this week's Forbes as to why millennials can make the perfect franchisee to the Franchise Today Facebook page. It'll be up there just immediately following today's podcast. Also, this week's Front of the House celebrates sports clip founder and CEO and vet fran champion Gordon Logan. Last week, Gordon was surrounded by veterans, public servants, and corporate executives alike, all gathered to honor those seen as the best and brightest in the veterans community. The occasion was the annual Hill Vet 100 Gala, a prestigious night of recognition and empowerment in the nation's capital, and the franchise community was front and center. IFA members, supporters, and staffers all gathered to celebrate as Gordon, one of franchising's most dedicated servant leaders, received the Philanthropist of the Year Award in recognition of his tireless service to veterans, while Sports Clips 2 was recognized as one of the top six businesses in the country in support of veterans. Gordon was recognized for his decades-long commitment to veterans through initiatives such as the Veterans of Foreign War Sports Clips Help a Hero Scholarship Program, which has provided some 1,300 scholarships totaling $5.5 million to servicemen and women and veterans pursuing their education and training goals. Gordon made support for veterans central to his personal, professional, and philanthropic life for the past 25 years and will no doubt continue to do so um, as long as he's alive. Congratulations, Gordon, who better than you to be honored for all that you do for veterans and for all that you do for the franchising community at large. And that, my friends, is the Link front of the house, brought to you by Link, a company that provides amazing loss prevention technology for restaurants and retail. In fact, when I describe Link, I suggest that they've done for loss prevention what Apple and Android did for cell phones. They've made those tools smarter. Whether you operate a single unit or a multi-unit empire, or if you're the franchisor or an executive of a retail or restaurant brand that has unit economics on your mind, you owe it to yourself and to business to, earn, to learn more about Solink today. 
Once deployed, Solink's technology captures instances of exceptional behavior at all of your sites. Solink then records everything that's going on in the front and the back of the house, eliminating any need to review hours of tape to identify those exceptions. After their technology captures it all, Solink provides reports that actually direct your attention to the very exceptional items that you want to focus on, giving you full visibility into every action and transaction at every site from any device at any time. Solink does all of this without you needing any additional cameras or hardware, so put Solink to work for yourself and find out how Solink can save time, save money, and add more to your bottom line. As always, you can find them online at Solink.com. And now, on to today's guest interview. And J.D. Bush, whose path to franchise success is paved with what he calls little nuggets of learning. Quote from J.D., everybody has problems and issues, says Bush, CEO of Houston-based Bush Global. It's all about how people have succeeded and grown effectively. I'm not afraid to ask people to learn from their mistakes, nor am I opposed to learning from people who are doing things right. These days, J.D. is doing much as he can to build a business of successful people around him and has worked with emerging brands that he says really need someone like him to help develop nationwide. J.D. Bush has been a disruptor in franchising from the start. In 1995, he put three different franchise businesses together, an NCA Supercenter, a Kid Fight Sports Daycare, and United Taekwondo, all under one roof long before anyone was thinking about co-branding or for that kind of brand synergy to become commonplace. Here to tell us more about that and what he's up to today, it's my pleasure to introduce and welcome J.D. to Franchise Today. Sam, glad to be here. And I'm glad to have you with us, J.D. And you're going to break the mold on something today because in my research and preparation for today's episode, I found that I can't really start today's episode the way I usually do, because what I usually say is that franchising is not intentional. Franchising is not something that people come out of the gate with an intention of doing. But in your case, it looks to me like you came straight out of college and right into franchising. Tell us what brought that about, J.D., and and what your original plan was. Well, the beautiful thing was I was uh, going to the University of Houston and, and actually was in the engineering program. So um, I was originally in the track to follow my dad's kind of footsteps, <clears throat> work for KBR and Bechtel, um, and, and basically, you know, going out in the engineering world. I quickly realized that uh, even though I was good at math and, and numbers, um, being in a cubicle and running numbers all day was definitely not something good for me. Um, but yes, I was technically thrown into franchising. I actually was very fortunate to work with, I consider my mentor and the reason why I'm in business. Again, you know, there's been nobody in my, my trick family or in my family that have been in business before or have their own business. So I was going to college to, to get an engineering uh, and then work for a gentleman teaching actually gymnastics, uh, cheerleading, and now even assistant uh, coach for Taekwondo. Um, and of course, he had a program to where he was running a uh, gymnastics taekwondo um, daycare uh, program, kind of after-school sports program, and then of course sports. And obviously, that gentleman um, is the reason why I'm in business today. 
my year in college. He basically one day came to me and said, you're you know, one of the smartest, brightest uh, young guys and work harder than anybody I know and love the opportunity to be able to get you in business for yourself. And there had to be a gym that I used to work for that was coming up for sale. That was the NCH Center, which they were looking to sell their, their, their gyms and to make them franchises. And so obviously, I was the first franchise and the last franchise, I think, of franchisee of <laughs> NCH Super Center. But fortunate I was able to combine those brands, like you said earlier, by adding in basically a, a Taekwondo school and then adding in the actual care all under one roof and one business. So I actually did run them separately, even though all under one roof, they had their own separate rooms that they, they ran and performed. Um, I did run them in different checking accounts and, and different businesses, different marketing and all that across the board under one roof. So uh, that's, that's, so yeah, I wasn't, I was kind of catapulted in well chance and um, was very fortunate that I had a mentor that signed my loan um, and helped me get into business for myself when I was 21 years old. So fast forward the tape for us and tell us some of those early learnings and the difference perhaps between what you as a brash 21-year-old millennial, as we were just talking about, right, um, how you viewed the world going in and what did it look like six months later and how different were the two? I can't tell you. I mean, obviously, I made every mistake you could possibly make. I mean, I learned very quickly that um, not to make the same mistakes twice. So that was kind of a motto when I first got into business was, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. My mentor said, hey, you're going to make mistakes, but the way you learn and the way you grow is, is by learning from mistakes that are made and, and through them with my mentor. To be honest with you, you know, I was very fortunate that um, he grew a very successful business. He had had, at that time, only about seven or eight different franchises uh, for the daycare of just Taekwondo. I was the first one to branch out and do the whole training, dance, and kind of uh, uh, gymnastics side of the business and added under kind of his portfolio of the, the uh, Taekwondo and the actual uh, data system. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've, I had him as a mentor to kind of fall back on with asking questions and trying to work through any issues or problems I had, you know, more of it was kind of understanding how to, to work through employees and staff and to be honest with you customers. Uh, I was in a very competitive business. Um, that, that, that first business I did under that, Roof actually is one of the most successful individual businesses I've ever owned in my life. Um, and again, I think it's just because of the more of the drive that I had to succeed and that I had something to prove to not only myself, but my family and my friends. Uh, um, you know, at that time, my, my mom was extremely backing with, with the, the, uh, the process of going in. My dad was you know, mad that I was leaving school and that I was too young and, and didn't have the experience to be successful. And I think it drove me. It drove me to um, do whatever I need to do. And I would work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and, and did everything that was possible to, I was flying cars. Um, I'd, I'd go to the mall and, and print out flyers and flyer cars. I'd do whatever I needed to do to be able to drive and get customers. Um, so that, that, I guess that's kind of the process I had to, to be successful. So at some point there was a pivot because you went from being the working harder guy who was doing it all by himself to a place where you had an aha moment. I'd, I'd love for you to try to tell the audience what it was and when it happened that you came to realize you can't scale if it's all about you doing everything by yourself, no matter how hard you work, you can't possibly accomplish all the things that need to happen to scale a business if you're doing it all 
So when did that aha moment come to you when you started realizing that it wasn't just about you? It, you know, obviously it was the, the fact of after, you know, being young, I was able to, I guess, survive longer with working 12 hour days and seven days a week. Um, and it was, it was probably about two, two and a half years into that business to where I got very fortunate by hiring, you know, one of the top choreographers and, and guys in the business. And it really catapulted um, my business to the next level um, by hiring somebody that was a lot better than what I was. Um, with the way of, of uh, you know, with, with choreographing and, and really doing routines for the way of cheerleading competitions and so on. So obviously when I put him in, we literally probably tripled our business within the next year. We grew from, you know, having literally two competitive teams to, to over 10 competitive teams and growing by hundreds of different uh, competitive cheerleading and gymnastics students um, just by that higher. So, uh, and um, being smart and realizing that you hire smart people, better people, and, and not use that as a, a deference um, and me drive their success and, and to help drive my success um, is really where it all changed for me. And then I realized that I need to really identify in myself of my strengths are, where, where am I best suited, where, where, where do I help really drive the business. Um, and that's, that's where it started. I mean, it really started very on in my career understanding that um, I need to make sure that I hire and surround myself with very smart people um, and try to hire the best obviously I can in any field or any business that I'm in, really take it to the next level. So why don't you fast forward the tape to what came from the grounding of your business and the education that you had in now becoming the leader of a team instead of being the, being the team yourself. Um, push forward and tell us, what happened from that business that transformed your focus from where it was to where it went next? Yeah, I think it's uh, growing. I think as all of us do, it grows both business leaders. And I realized that, you know, one of my best traits was really driving other people, um, learning, learning and really understanding, you know, what drives an individual, what, what, what are, what are the things that, that, that make them want to come to work every day, what makes them want to work and drive to the next level. And so obviously, Know, again, hiring people in the different aspects of that business and building the culture. And again, I started building cultures without really understanding. And before I ever read my first book on it or knowing what it was, but I, it sounds silly. I know we, we were talking about this pre show, but I cheered in college as a cheerleader. And I guess my big joke was, is I kind of made that as being like, I want to be your, my team's cheerleader. I want to be the person that backs them and drives them to be more successful. And, it, and that's either with me and my, and growing them out team and or growing in whatever endeavor it is. Because I've definitely come across people that their passion or drive wasn't necessarily in the business we're in. And I want to be able to help them really go to the next level. And I'd probably say about 15 years ago, when I really started, you know, going to a lot of the conferences and going to the franchise conferences and, and listening to some of the big people that are out there. You know, and it, and it sounds silly, but I read this very simple book called The Energy Bus. Um, and that's why I got the chief energy officer, but it related with me very much in the way of, hey, the big thing that I do is being able to drive um, and motivate my team and staff to really push to the next level. Um, and so that's been a big thing for me. And I realized that's what I love to do. I'm more of a sales guy and love the sales. Effect. That's how I got, fortunately, when my first development side came into place with Massage Heights, that's when I really found my calling. I found out that I really love to get people in business. 
Um, and that's where I really do the motto, which is around leave your mark. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to, you know, I want to at the end of the day, when I die, you know, what does it say on my tombstone? You know, what is the mark that I left in life? Everything that I do in life, I want to be able to touch others and improve and make their life better by, by coming in contact with me. And that's been kind of my motto in general is how can I help other people and how can I help them grow and, and, and don't live a selfish life, help, help, you know, live a life to help people grow with what they do and, and understand where they best suited and what's the best thing for them to grow long-term in their lives as well. So how did the, um, how did the career with Massage Heights begin? And we'll move on from there to, um, to other brands and to other endeavors as well. So tell us first about Massage Heights, where and when that happened for you, and what made that light bulb, you know, shine so bright that you knew this was it? Well, I mean, obviously I got very fortunate, but, uh, you know, it actually started, I, my dream was like I wanted to be in restaurants. Um, and, of course, uh, nothing against other restaurant operators, but once I got into restaurants um, and I realized that you need to be a better operator, I learned so much, and that's why franchising has always been a tool for me in growing because my master's in in operations and all that and learning different businesses and by doing franchises. Um, so rest, I actually got into restaurants after I sold off all my, my gyms and daycare and taekwondo school. Um, my true love, I was like, you know what? My dream is to be in restaurants. So I want to, I want to really go in and kind of fulfill what I'm trying to coach everybody else is and fulfill your dreams. So my dream was to go into restaurants. Well, quickly after getting to restaurants, I realized that it wasn't so much a dream anymore and that, um, it's a lot more difficult, and, and obviously my business um, was a lot more successful than getting into the restaurant business. So my wife, um, I got married at that time, and um, did, that was a big game changer and kind of helped direct, you know, where my life led with leaving my mark and, you know, you know even thinking about kids and leaving a legacy down. And so I really wanted to start looking at brands and concepts that, that I did with my wife, and she really drove that. I mean, I never would have looked at health and beauty, definitely massage or spa or anything in that realm, you know, I was like, I want to be restaurants. I want to work on cars, whatever. I want to be in the gas business. And then I quickly realized that, that, uh, you know, doing some due diligence that the massage business and excess, um, that the massage industry was really expanding because this was in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006 that we're talking about now. And I'll say I, I was very fortunate to meet uh, Shane Glenn and, and Wayne, uh, Shane and then the founders of Massage Heights. Um, and met with them um, very very early on when they were first really launching. They just had a handful of locations open, and they were just now starting the whole region developer model. Um, and obviously, you know, was like, hey, I, I I would love to try this and love to do this. Um, and and was very fortunate that gave me the opportunity, uh, being that it was the first time for me to really get into the sell side of franchising. And luckily, I was very successful. Um, I. Very lucky to be honest with you is is I made some 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 great connections and brought in literally some of the top franchisees that are still in the system today were my first franchisee. So literally, I think they all at one time had the the top franchises in the nation. Massage uh, Heights broke the original records for Massage Heights. So I learned very quickly when you bring in the right franchisees, you're going to catapult to the next level. So obviously, I learned very quickly by bringing in some some unbelievable great operators and great franchises and multi-unit op- uh, owners that that was the path I wanted to go. And so we, we were very fortunate, and we were able to grow and and uh, expand the massage sites. We're the, we're still the largest region um, for massage sites there in Houston, where I got that opportunity, and uh, it really catapulted me and where I wanted to go and what I truly 
love, which was getting people into business. It gave me a sense of pride and, and, and really a pride in understanding of making people successful in business as well. So that, that's where it kind of catapulted. And I, I can thank Massage Heights to kind of get in that, that next level of where I wanted to be in business, which was to help other people get into business. And so Massage Heights was the first chapter in your life really as an area developer. Um, and you say you had the good fortune of bringing in the right people. How did that look? How did you know they were the right people? What can you share with the audience about those decisions that an area developer who's getting paid when he's selling territory, but the long-term game plan is to have sustainable growth, which means you can't just give it to anybody who will write a check. So what's your process for that, J.D.? Share with others in the audience who can learn from someone who's been there and done it. So, yes, I mean, I, I, I think the biggest thing with, with anything in franchising, I think the biggest learning lesson I learned up front was always trying to identify what makes or what traits um, make, you know, a, a, a franchisee that you feel would be more successful. Um, it's also finding that person. Again, that was kind of the traits that I built very, very early was trying to find somebody that also had passion or that they highly believed in massage or the benefits of massage and all those things. So, you know, people that already had a passion or drive for a particular business or the idea of what it does, you know, it, it gives them kind of a fulfillment and, and they love to come to work every day because they believe in what they're doing. So I think all at the end of the day is you've got to really um, go through and identify. So, of course, you know, to get more mature, you do personal profiling, kind of identify why why and what traits do our top franchisees have. And so luckily I, I – <laughs> brought in and again it wasn't because i had process i just happened to bring in people that that had a big sales kind of you know always wanted to be number one kind of attitude um you know these are people that were like first franchisees were either for pharmaceutical um medical sales um indoor some kind of financial sales so a lot of my first franchisees weren't necessarily big multi-unit um developers or owners they were people that have been extremely successful in a sales type customer service position, and I realized that those sales-driven, uh, customer service-driven type people were, were really what made a really great fit for an operator when it came to the health and beauty type industry and for massage heights. That, yeah, that's great. that answer your question there? It certainly <laughs> does. And when I come back, we're going to start talking more about how this has led you to other brands. I'll share a quote right here before we go to break where J.D. says, I've never run just a single business in my life. I've always had multiple units of multiple brands since the day I turned 21. So when we come back, we're going to talk about J.D.'s other brand uh, favorite, and we're going to talk a little bit more about a B2B application that he's involved with as well right after this break. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsor. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business and intelligence communication and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communications to and from prospects and existing franchisees, including texts. 
Legal and compliance is simplified as well with FRM's document management and even site visits are digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts required, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions. Find us on the web at frmsolutions.com. So, J.D., uh, lead us into how your eyes rose on the horizon and said, all right, I'm, I'm doing well and I'm bringing in great people at Massage Heights. What caused you to think about adding a brand to your portfolio instead of continuing further growth and development with Heights? So I think what, what, what happened with, with, with Heights obviously going through is that, you know, obviously once we got to a point where – uh, we pretty much sold out, sold out brand, um, you know, had a couple more locations, you know, they're available, you know, obviously I realized, you know, being in the brand and, and obviously with the lead generation, even with the network I've kind of built with, with, uh, and rapports with other franchisees and other brands, even in our brand and seeing that other franchisees were, were looking at other brands. It's like, this, this could be a good time to really start approaching, uh, other brands to add and then, you know, like even my, you know, like-minded type brands um, to add to the portfolio because I've seen a need that where if franchisees could expand or open more locations, they're going to start opening or looking at the brands. You know, people kind of get addicted to the fact of multi-unit operations and growth and, you know, the, the other brands that are out there to really help, you know, I guess, like I said, not put all your ass in one basket, but to kind of diversify your portfolios. So that's, that's where it kind of started. And I got, the same thing, it kind of got thrown in my lap. Um, the founders of Mason Studio, which is the, the other brand that we're involved with now, um, opened up right next door to my first massage heights that I opened um, there in River Oaks and the Houston market. And so they came to me and kind of heard about me, and I'd already started trying to do some consulting and kind of led people um, to other brands, other aspects um, that I knew and um, uh, RDs that I kind of knew and respected as well. Um, and so obviously they came to me and just kind of offered opportunity of looking to franchise. So I actually got involved with Maison Life Studio from the very beginning. Um, obviously got the opportunity to help them uh, become a franchise and help them originally um, sell their original uh, locations and kind of put that together. Um, so obviously being involved with them from the very beginning and having a piece of, uh, of the original um, direction of the concept kind of really intrigued me. Um, it was kind of more being on the franchisor level and being a part of the, you know, some of the decisions made with the direction of the franchise and operations. So I was very fortunate to work a deal on that brand. Um, and, and I actually was brought in to actually do all the development nationwide originally for the brand. And obviously I opened the first franchise for actually the first three locations for the whole brand, which was to, to work out you know, some of the full operations and kinks with the development of that as well. So well, I was very fortunate because um, it was a whole other level, which obviously intrigued me is, is being more into the emerging brands and even helping somebody from the very beginning. Uh, I was in that, you know, one of the first locations for Massage Heights and Massage Heights, they were just, you know, under location. So I, I realized I really do like getting with the right um, group and right people to really help them catapult brands to the next level. For me, Amazing Life Studio was a game changer. It was uh 
um, you know, being the first to market, kind of changing, you know, where the world was kind of out of the way of lashes. So it really kind of intrigued me and, and really excited about the opportunity. And obviously I'm still in the brand and staying in the largest free developer for my studio as well. Also the largest franchisee um, in that brand. Um, but again, I had three states um, and have about 150 plus units will, will open in that brand. Um, right now we have about 65 and we have about 35 opening in my territories uh, currently right now. So very, very fast, very uh, exciting, uh, growing brands um, and uh, very excited about the future of that as well. So how many, how many of these brands of each locations do you actually own yourself? So, yeah, so it's an amazing last studio. I have eight units right now currently. And with massage sites at my peak, we had six um, units, um, but I've sold off some of those units now currently. So it's a whole different world and a whole different ballgame, isn't it, to own and operate versus um, develop and sell. Um, I liken the difference to being in, say, in real estate development. You know, the developer is the guy who points to this you know, mound of dirt and says, picture this, this is where the clubhouse is going to be. And there's a lake over there and he's the big picture guy. And then the builder comes in and has to build the houses and, and dot the I's and cross the T's and be there for the details every day. Those to me are such different disciplines. You've had your fingers in both and dabbled in both. If you were rubbing the genie out of the lamp, JD, which side would you land on if you had to make a choice between the two? If I had to make a choice between the two, I mean, obviously, for me, I love to develop. So I love the development, uh, selling, just new relationships, you know, the, yep. the fact of meeting new people, you know, helping understand, you know, what is what right fit for them, helping them become better operators. So I, to be honest with you, it's, it, as I've gotten older in my life, I love helping people. Um, so, again, it's kind of my motto, it's, it's leave your mark. I, I love being, it's, I like more of the mentor side. I love coaching. I love helping people train and, and help them, you know, kind of, you know, help them, help them be operators or find out where's, where's the, the areas that they can really grow. And, and, and then of course, every single person I work with and every franchisee that I have, and I have some absolutely amazing um, franchisees and I've learned so much from so many of them as well. So, I mean, some of the, the traits and things I've learned have been from our best top operators in the system. I just learned that I love to be with the best of the best. I've always surrounded myself at every conference. It doesn't matter if it's a franchise or conference or if it's a IFA or anywhere else. I always try to attach myself to the best of the best and learn from them, you know, and, and be a sponge and uh, try to learn all that I can so I can then spread that to, to other people that I work with and help them be better operators as well. JD, with all the regulation that IFA is doing battle on our behalf, with federal and state legislators, has as an area developer who's every day having conversations with people who are thinking about coming into franchising, how important is though are those things to them? Are you hearing uh, concerns from potential franchisees about, you know, joint employer and minimum wage and those things that are going to impact their businesses? They have to hire and develop jobs. You know, it depends on the level of, of the person. And, you know, obviously, as I've gotten, you know, been in franchising now for 20, 25 years, you know, obviously, there's also a network of people that, you know, are big multi-unit owners. They have, they're very similar to me. They have, you know, several different other brands. They have 
you know, five to 10 different, you know, locations for each one of those brands. So, yeah, I think the, the level um, of those um, and people like myself, it's a huge concern. Um, I think they're trying to surround themselves. I think that the IFA and what they're doing, um, you know, the fight, you know, on, on Capitol Hill with all that is tremendous. I think it's a great place for all of us to kind of know. I can tell you I was very eager with it. And I went years ago um, to understand I plan on going this year to understanding more. But uh, individual, I think it's more of coaching and letting them know of the situation. I'm not sure that a lot of our uh, first-time franchisees that are coming in have that concern in the back of their mind are there. Um, I think it's more of the people that have been in franchising for a while where that is that, that is out there and that's, you know, very widely known that that's a fight that we're going to be going through. I hope that answered your kind of question. It just, it really depends on the level of the, the people that I'm dealing with, with the way of developing or, or bringing into the system. So your office is Houston, Texas based, correct? Um, well, we I have an office in Houston, Dallas, but I have moved to Austin now. So I'm permanently in Austin now. And how about the markets that you're developing for both, Lash and, and the Heights, where are those? So I own uh, Massage Heights, where I started, so I'm born and raised from Houston, Texas, um, and started Massage Heights there. And then, of course, I have, uh, for Maze My Studio, I have all of Texas except Houston. Um, and then I have, uh, well, just Atlanta, just sold back to corporate, with the PE firm that came in, but I have all of Florida as well. So I have the full state of Florida. So how do you manage your business, JD, how do you manage how do you manage that? Are are you in a place where you have to travel to uh, spend time with these prospective franchisees? Do you bring them to you? I mean, with territory as spread out as yours is, um, what's a day in the life look like for a guy like you? So that goes back to our kind of original conversation. I I, I bring in people smarter, brighter, and, and and better than me to to really in that day to day aspect and in the day to day operations. I really handle now more of the the franchise sales development side of the business, you know, where we're going to put, how we're going to develop those markets. Um, I do get in front of franchisees um, two to three times a year. So I will travel to all the markets, you know, visit um, with all the franchisees. I just did that in January. So I, I literally do a whirlwind tour in January, which is kind of a recap of the previous year and then kind of goals and plans for 2019. So, Obviously, January was uh, did a whirlwind tour and got in front of every franchisee in January. That every year, um, that's kind of my whirlwind tour where I do that over a two week period. But no, I, I do uh, get out. I do love. That's one of the things that I do love is I love getting out of the markets um, and getting in front of people. I just don't get to do it as much as I used to, um, and that's where I literally kind of pass the the, the baton and and to my team. So I do have you know a VP of franchise support. I have a VP of operations. Um, and they're in the day-to-day. They're, they're, you know, I have directors and, and area uh, support people as well that are in those markets and in those 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 uh, direct communications with franchisees on a daily basis. So, J.D., let's talk about the last leg of the three-legged stool because we've got a few minutes left, and we don't want to uh, we don't want to run out of time to learn a bit more about uh, a software venture that you've undertaken in support and service to franchisees that are in your kind of um, domain in the health and wellness uh, business and the massage business. Talk a bit about how that played into your business and into your growth and how those two mesh together. So, Rick Lee did. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Um, but, yes, uh, 
basically when you're talking about development operations, um, you know, making sure to drive success um, and being in front of and having information at your fingertips um, for the operations wise, and not only our franchisees, but for my own uh, locations as well. You know, we built over the last eight years kind of some, you know, Google Docs, spreadsheets, and things like that with a lot of manual in- entry. So it was, you know, probably about 70 to 80% automated um, through CSV files, and then, you know, every manager would have to go through and put and some, you know, to put in the final uh, touches to it and all that. Then it spit out an overall kind of health score report that would come back to us and my team with kind of better understanding where's everybody at, you know, where's, where, where, where are they being successful? And where are locations that aren't doing well? Where are they not being successful? And, and, and a place that we put some attention to. And that's, you know, over the years, um, just thought there had to be a better way. And to be honest with you, moving to Austin um, and trying to search in the, in the world of franchising a better operational tool to manage multi-units and for franchisors even to manage um, their system and understanding of, of how people are forming and kind of business intelligence around, hey, you know, if they don't do these certain things, they will go out of business if, if we don't get things changed. And, and why are our top performers performing where they're at? So we kind of built a software called Manage the Profit, um, which is a, a software and really an operational software for franchisees. Um, it is for franchisors because it identifies issues and problems that, that franchisees could be having and or, you know, also identify why these locations and why are these operators being so successful. So it kind of really helps drive franchisees and understanding the franchisors on how to drive better success in the way of driving revenue and ultimately driving more profits. So I built that tool strictly originally just to be able to manage my own regions and territories because the biggest thing I hate is getting somebody in business and them not succeed and them not do well. Um, that's kind of one of the things that's always kind of been hurtful, I guess, to me is not seeing somebody succeed because I feel like I let them down. I, I didn't do all I needed to do, or I didn't bring in the right person that was the right fit for our franchise. And I took that a little bit too personally. And so I built that software strictly to be able to help us identify and drive success and make sure we didn't have people not succeeding and making money in our franchise systems. So that's, and that's so is that software been, now available for others that are not just those that are benefiting from uh, your involvement in your business, but is that now generally available to the uh, to the to the marketplace? Correct. So yeah, we have launched, which we just launched in the first of the year. Um, very exciting. We have first first couple brands that are on the software and, and working through it. So it's been been tremendous. Um, it's it literally probably be our, my next frontier and the biggest thing I've ever done before. Um, it's been exciting, and, and for me, it's just exciting to learn something new. But that is available. Um, our website is manage2profit.com. Uh, um, it is built right now for health and beauty, so anybody in the health and beauty world, even fitness brands. So it is kind of built for that retail service uh, health and beauty brands right now. Eventually, we will go into service industries, um, and that's our goal. Uh, ultimately, is all service industries are right now, 100% focused and built for basically the health and beauty, uh, fitness, um, service retail uh, franchise businesses right now. So, J.D., as you've grown your business by going deep and going wide, what would your best advice be to those listening today that are on the go? They aren't like you. They are motivated and inspired to succeed. But what nugget or two would you share with the audience that, uh, they they may be wise to, to to take some sage advice from somebody who's a few steps ahead of them 
uh, about how best for them to go forward and proceed themselves. I think so, you know, it's one of the same same thing. Surround yourself with, with great people. Uh, identify where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are, and hire people that are that are the best at what they do with where you're where you're weak. Um, I think that's hard for anybody to identify their their personal traits and and you know their flaws. I mean, ultimately in the day is where are your flaws and where where can you grow the best in the in the best way. And the, the other nugget I would say is is that I learned very quickly that with any brand or new brand you're on. It's hiring the right people that have that passion in that brand and put 100% focus in that brand. We used to try to split our operations team amongst multiple brands and multiple, you know, different focuses, and it's just too much. So I realized that I separate my brands, that operations team, and support people that their 100% focus is on that brand. And that way that you know that you have full force efforts, you don't have shared efforts in the way of making the success of that brand and growing it the best way possible. JD, if there's one thing that you can that you're still working on, one thing that you haven't tackled, the one thing that you think you could still do better, what would that be? Hmm. <laughs> Great question. Um, I, I, you know, to, to to be honest with you, um, the number one thing that I'm still trying to tackle today, part of the thing that going through is everybody talks about is that 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 work life balance. I have a major drive with you know, my wife always says like, when is it ever enough? Um, I just love growing and doing new things. So I think my biggest thing is is uh, the one thing that, that I still work on every day is, is uh, that, that balance of um, knowing and growing um, and keep growing, but having the people and team behind that to help, you know, alleviate the time spent or the time that I do spend on, on having multiple brands and multiple concepts and just the, the, the drive I have for success in the way of driving uh, development and doing that very quickly. So if if money were never an object for you, and apparently in your success, maybe it's not, um, but if you never had another need in the world and your kids and your kids' kids were offset forever and you could just give all this up and do something else, what would your passion lead you to, J.D.? To be honest with you, I'd I'd keep, I would keep and keep and drive and putting people in business and, and uh, develop franchise systems. That's I absolutely love getting people in business for themselves. I love to be able to help drive them to finding out what they're they're truly wanting and what they're wanting to get out of life. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I'll still keep selling franchise part till the day I die. I absolutely well, love it. It's um, it's contagious. I share your disease with you, my friend. I, I do. I do. <laughs> JD, is there anything I didn't ask you today that you wished I did? Uh, no, I think you hit it hit it pretty well and, and kind of going through. So I, I really appreciate that. I, I said I think that people listening here are probably looking at or being a franchising, but I can't say that franchising has been, like I said, it's been my doctorate and master's degrees and multiple different brands and multiple different concepts. And um, I think it's it's definitely um, the way that I feel has, has helped me be the person I am today. And I've learned so much from so many different franchisors and, and operations and even franchises. Um, again, I just have a passion and love for franchising and uh, hopefully we can get more people to have that same passion and drive as well. Well, I'll give an amen to that, JD. Um, before I let you go, please let the audience know how they can find you and on any of those fronts, whether it's Amazing Lash, Massage Heights or software, 
Uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you, J.D.? I'd probably say you can LinkedIn me, you know, uh, obviously at uh, J.D. Bush um, on LinkedIn, um, and be glad to help out or answer any other questions anybody has. And for, um, again, I, I gave you our website for Manager Profit, which is that manage2.com. Um, they can reach me through any of those verticals or our ways for sure. I'd love to talk to anybody that likes to talk. Well, it's a pleasure having you with us today and talking with our audience and helping them hear from somebody who's been there, done that, and we'll say what you will about him. This guy, J.D. Bush, never beats around the bush. J.D., thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. And you do the same. And I want to spend the last few minutes before we sign off today, and Ryan, you're welcome to join me if you'd like, uh, talking a little bit about yesterday's Southeast Franchise Forum event here in Atlanta, which was what a great panel. This, this panel yesterday could have been a main event at any national franchise conference, in my view. We had uh, Therese Tilgen, the founder, co-founder of Franchise Update Media Group, Franchise Update and Multi-Unit Magazine and Conference, um, come in from California to moderate a panel yesterday, helping franchisors understand what do they need to add to their infrastructure and to their thought process for communication when they're trying to attract multi-unit franchisees. And Therese moderated a panel of hand-picked, uh, she hand-selected her panel and put a balance out there for the audience of franchisor and franchisee points of view. So representing the franchisor point of view, we had Inspire Brands Chief Development Officer, uh, franchise professional of many years, Greg Voinovich. And on the other side, representing the franchisee point of view, Two gentlemen who nobody's ever heard of, I all but guarantee it. These two guys, one Grant Simon and his partner, Greg Thomas, own a company called LSGF Management. Now, LSGF to me doesn't ring the bell when it comes to brand recognition, but owning 50-plus Great Clips does, and owning more than a half dozen or so Smoothie Kings does, and over 100 T-Mobile retail uh, locations all in the southeast. So Grant and Greg sat on this panel talking from their point of view as to what they look for from a franchisor and what they expect from a franchisor in terms of ease of communicating and operating and growing and developing the, the brands. And of course, Greg Voinovich was, it was like Hannity and Combs. It was, you know, the franchisor's point of view of it. Yeah, well, that's great, but here's what we look for. And, you know, finding that balance in between, um, was what a powerful panel. Hey, Ryan, are you there with me? I'm here. I'm live. I like the, the Hannity and Combs analogy. And I can imagine <laughs> that, that, would be, that that would be a good panel. I, I definitely was, I missed that. I wish I would have been there. It was really, really great. And it wasn't contentious by any stretch. But, you know, um, when you've got a franchisor with as many uh, large brands experiences, Greg does, he's probably seen about anything and everything that a franchisee, multi-unit franchisee would ask for or expect from the Zor. But I think the things that came out, and Diane Fibbs too shared some of the late breaking research that's just come out of update. And, you know, the things that franchisees at the multi-unit level, the deal breakers, the things that kill more deals or lack of trust, um, you know, territory disagreements, uh, it wasn't really money. It, it's what they expect from the franchisor 
is ease of relationship. Like one thing I heard yesterday that was by far hands down, the easiest thing for a franchisor to probably give up um, is if I've got, you know, multiple territories, I don't want to have multiple liaisons. I want one manager. I want one person from corporate to be my Sherpa, to be my concierge, to have a relationship with that brand, no matter which one of my stores in which state, that's my go-to person for all yeah. things, you know, that are related to the brand. A lot of brands don't do that. And it's an easy thing to make the life of an operator that much simpler. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's through the eyes of the beholder. Greg would argue back about maybe why that, from the franchisor's point of view, can't make as much sense. But I think it's like everything else in franchise relationships. We have to pick our battles, right? Um, yeah. Try to, try to get the wins in the right column that are essential and, um, and, you know, give up some of the other things. But Therese Tilgen did an incredible job. I mean, this could have been, what, this could have been at her conference a week before, and I think the value to the audience and the nuggets taken would have been every bit as well received. So we had about a hundred people for this yesterday, Ryan. Wow. And, uh, and what a great panel. So, um, not being, um, not being shy. I stopped Grant, Simon and Greg Thomas before leaving them yesterday. And they have agreed to, um, come on to franchise today in the coming weeks. And so we're going to try to schedule a date. The good news is they are about two blocks up the road from me. And so as was the case last week with Mike Isaacson, and, and again, I can't say enough about how I felt about that interview last week. Um, these guys will come to the, to the studios here at FRM Solutions, and we'll do that interview in the studio together. And I hope it will hit the high watermark that Mike's interview did last week as well. Yeah. Well, Mike's, Mike's interview is a phenomenal one. And really the past, uh, all, this whole year, been nothing but great programming here on Franchise Today. So it sounds like another great one in store. Well, and I thank you, Ryan Hicks, for your participation and your help in making that happen. Absolutely. Hey, one last question on these, these meetups. How often do those occur at the Southeast Franchise Forum and – what are the details on that for some folks that may not be involved or be aware of? So the Southeast Franchise Forum, uh, I sit on its board here in Atlanta. We meet monthly. It's a membership organization of franchisors, franchisees, and suppliers. The, um, unlike the IFA, the Southeast Franchise Forum keeps a balance or a ratio of franchisor, mm-hmm. franchisee membership so that there's not 80 people in the room that are, you know, suppliers and 20 that are franchisors feeling like the environment might be a little predatory. Um, but it's an organization that has speakers every month. We have a breakfast meeting eight times a year, and we have lunch meetings four times a year. The, the lunch meetings are on the quarter, and, um, and they are shared in billing with the IFA's FBN Franchise Business Network. So members of the CEF organization can go to any meeting each year, and IFA members can come to the luncheons whether you belong to the Southeast Franchise Forum or not. Our website is southeastfranchiseforum.com. We meet the second Tuesday of each month, whether it's breakfast or lunch, and all those details are found on the website with future meetings and speakers where we already know who they may be. And um, great resource. It's a great networking opportunity and I encourage 
middle-level managers and employees to come to these meetings. You get to meet people who have been around a long time. Everyone's very approachable. You can learn a ton. Um, I think we should give CFE credits. I don't know if we do or don't, but um, you come to these meetings and you learn a lot from people who either do your job in another company and you can share conversation there or from the speakers and those that attend. There's just a wealth of networking and, and sharing and caring. So it's kind of like a little dose of IFA every month here in Atlanta, Ryan. Love it. Love it. You convinced me to fly in uh, second Tuesday. I, I'm going to come fly in. Well, I'll be, your, I'll be your host and I'll buy you lunch. But until then, my friend, the clock says it's time for me to say we're out of time. And we'll be back next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern. Look forward to hearing and seeing you again then for those who listen live. And remember, otherwise, you can download us on iTunes and any place that podcasts are found. And until then, Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing fast and class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.